What up, FA Nation? Justin Fensterman here, along with James Grande. We're talking fantasy basketball. But Fensty, it's football season. Guess what? Basketball will be here in just a few weeks, and you'll be freaking out. Oh, my God, what are you going to do? How are you going to get ready? You're going to read the cheat sheet on FantasyAlarm.com, where you get everything from auction to Standard positional rankings are consensus top 200 sleepers, bust rookies. You get it all. And you get to hear from the guys and the minds behind the NBA cheat sheet. So, Grande, what we're going to do now is we're going to go position by position. We're just going to get the appetite wet and talk about some of the players we like at different tiers here. So we're going to go through point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, and center. So Grande, being that you're the superstar, my man, what position do you want to start out with? I mean, let's start off with everyone's favorite position where there's 90. Uh, how many officially do we have on our top 200 at point guard, Fensty, here? Uh, we have officially 45 names. Uh at the point guard position that made our top 200 consensus ranking. So I think it's only fair that we go to the deepest position in the league and start off at point guard. All right, then let's do that because when you're in your fantasy basketball drafts, this is the position that's going to go. This point guards have as much value as running backs do in fantasy football because of where they're going. They're going to go quick. And the reason for that is these are your floor generals. These are the guys that are going to have the ball in their hands for the most part. The offense will run through most of these guys, meaning when you're looking at production potential, that's why these guys are going. Because really, when you're a point guard in this league, you have the advantage where you should be a multi-category producer. Looking at this list, I can't really see one player, one of these guards that just produces in one category, and that's it. And that's what's good about the position. So if you see a run and don't think, you know, I'm going to wait on point guard. I would not do that if I were you. And the auction grid with the prices reflect that. So, Grande, let's leave Luka Doncic out of it for a minute. Okay. Because we just talked about him. Right. So when it comes to who you like as a high-priced guard, let's talk about Stephen Curry. Because when it came down to who should be number one, I did bring up Curry to you guys. Now, I was still in the Luka camp big time. But thinking that now with Clay Thompson, don't know when we're going to see him. That's another injury situation. So with that, I feel like Stephen Curry, at least at the start, the ball's going to be in his hands. The front court's a little bit healthier. What do you think about Stephen Curry? Let's say that Luka goes and you potentially have that number two pick. Would you think Stephen Curry would be in line for that potential firing for you? Um, I definitely think he is in play. Um, I probably wouldn't take him number two overall, but I don't think you're mis it's a mistake if you do. I mean, we just saw the best version possibly, at least from a fantasy perspective, of Curry that we've ever seen before. Um, and you did mention that Clay Thompson is still going to uh, miss time. Even when Clay returns, I mean, Clay has never impacted Curry negatively um, scoring the basketball. He only is going to help him in the assist category because Clay's so automatic. So um, I would consider it. I probably wouldn't go there. Uh, but he is definitely for me and obviously for you since we did these rankings, the consensus number two option at the point guard position. Who else do you like that's expected to go in the first three rounds? Who else are you looking at? at the top tier of that point guard position. It's loaded. So, 
Yeah, it's loaded. Um, my primary target is actually going to be the cover boy of the cheat sheet this year, and that's Lamelo Ball. Um, as a rookie, I mean, you you led in with this, and it was perfect. And I was hoping. Um, you, I mean, you led me right to my answer because you talked about multi-category producers. Um, now, Lamelo didn't start the year as the starter; he was coming off the bench. Um, but he almost averaged 30 minutes a game, which I think he's going to blow over this year. I mean, we're going to get 33 to 35 minutes out of Lomelo every night. And in those 28 minutes, I mean, 16 points per game, six rebounds, six assists. Fancy, the, the, the kickers, I think that stood out to me. One and a half steals per game for Lomelo Ball last year. And he shot 35% from three, which, you know, isn't great, but also it's very respectable, especially for a guy who, you know, is known as more of like the do-it-all kind of guy. If he's producing in six categories, there's really nothing that leads me to believe he can't finish as a top five point guard and maybe even higher, depending on, and he has a really good team around him, might I add. A, a team that can score, and you talked about it with Luca uh, last episode in our introductory episode, um, how he doesn't have a lot of people around him. How is he going to average all these assists? Lamelo has a lot of good scores. I mean, he has Gordon Hayward. They signed Kelly Oubre. He has Rozier. Um, they have a lot of guys that Lamelo is going to be finding all year long. Not I didn't even mention their big guys in Washington. Um, I think Lamelo is poised for a breakout. Uh, and you know where we have him in the consensus rankings. I believe that you think that as well. Yes, and this was someone where, hey, I'll admit it, I was wrong about LaMelo Ball last year. I thought it was a bad fit in Charlotte. They already had Graham and Rosier, and I thought they'd be a little bit more committed to both. Hayward, they had, I thought that would take the ball out of his hands, ended up working itself out, and he ended up blossoming. So I will admit that I was wrong about the fit for LaMelo Ball last year. Now going into this year, I mean, like Grande said, he could do it all, and this is a Charlotte team where they, while they have other pieces— they're not too established to the point where LaMelo Ball has to make sure he features them. Mason Plumlee, P.J. Washington. There's right. going to be a lot of pressure on Washington to hit the three ball. I'm telling you early. Otherwise, he's going to lose minutes, meaning I'm seeing LaMelo Ball still drive heavy even in the early part of the season. Let's go down to the value tier and talk about point guards because, Grande, you and I were talking beforehand, and let's not waste any more time because we're on the same page in the yep. mid-tier value point guards here because this is a player that a lot of people have forgotten about because of injuries. You have the floor. Yeah, and that guy is Spencer Dinwiddie. That's the yep. end. And, you know, before the big three came to Brooklyn, um, while Spencer Dinwiddie was a part of that team, um, this is a guy who averaged 20 points a game. Uh, we're talking about in 1920 or 2019-2020 season, he literally averaged 20.6 points per game. Um, and he was the focal point of the offense. He took 16 shots per game. Um, look, that's the type of role he can have here in Brooklyn. And he's no Russell Westbrook by any stretch of the imagination. Um, he's, but he's, a Russell Westbrook like he is a volume shooter more than he is an efficient scorer. Um, he shoots better than Russell Westbrook. He's not going to score, you know, he's not going to dish out as many assists as Russ. He's not going to grab as nearly close to as many rebounds, um, but he's very respectable in both of those categories. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie could 
be the second leading scorer on this team. I think he should be. I'd be disappointed. Be. I will tell you this. I will be disappointed and let down if he's not the second leading scorer. I mean, I think that the I'll say to to counter your argument, I would say the best opportunity for someone else would be Rui, Hach, Rui Hachimura. I think he's a very talented offensive player. He was very polished coming into the league. Um, and I think that's we saw that in games where Russ slash Beal sat last year. Um, we also saw that in the Olympics. I mean, Hachimura plays for Japan, and he looked great throughout the Olympics um, scoring the basketball. I know a different game, but still, uh, my point remains, he's a good scorer. So I think that's his competition for the number two scorer. Um, but, you know, Russ is leaving behind a lot of numbers and you know that's what we're looking at in fantasy basketball uh Dinwiddie has a great chance to uh to carry the torch and um you know be a very good value like we have him we have him ranked as the uh where do we have him ranked officially at point guard we have him 18 um fantasy would it shock you to see Dinwiddie finish in the top 15 uh possibly you know, just looking at the names, like best case scenario. I mean, like around like PG twelve, PG thirteen, around there. Like yeah. probably ceiling. Yeah, I mean, but look at some. I mean, let's let's quickly just name some of the guys that are that we have over him right now. I mean, Kyle Lowry is someone that I'll just say I'm a bit worried about. Better team, reasons. better team, a lot more options. Yep. Let's talk about Drew Holiday. Same thing. A lot of options on that team. I mean, Ben Simmons, where the hell is he going to be right. playing this year? Right, right. So there's three immediately right. for you. Yeah, so I, I, think, I think we're both on the uh, – we have him ranked 18, but I think there's potential uh, to we're getting close to a point guard one if he, if he really hits his ceiling. Right. So I want to bring up one more player when it comes to a mid-tier option, and that one more player is someone that I feel like we have a ranked higher because of – us getting together and watching as much basketball as we do. But I feel like he's going to go for lower, and this is why you need the cheat sheet, because you could take advantage. DeJounte Murray. I mean, this is someone who we have a bit higher than Spencer Dinwiddie. And this is someone who, on the auction grid, I'm saying if you want to put a 30 spot on him, that's fine. You're probably thinking DeJounte Murray. You probably won't even have to do that. The reason why he's there is because look at the Spurs. They don't have anything else. They really don't. Who else is there that's established? Joe Derek White, Keldon Johnson, whoopity do. Jakob Pertle going to become the next Towns? No, he's not. This guy is going to be the everything on this rebuilding team, Grande. Yeah, I mean they're gonna they're gonna be bad. Uh, and I'm with you. Um, another guy that could. I mean, look. I think it's going to depend on how much the Spurs deploy him at year's end because if they're out of comp if they're out of playoff contention, you know, I don't think Pop has incentive to play DeJounte 35 minutes a night in April, May. Um we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it just he needs he wants DeJounte to get through a full season and that could be the case as well. Um but there's there is like serious, serious upside. There's I mean, he's one of the best rebounding guards in basketball. Um, he is a good passer, and he's a much improved scorer. So I'm with you. Uh, health was on his side last year, finally. 
And I think sky's the limit. Uh, we could definitely be looking at a top 10 point guard here. Let's move over to the shooting guards, Grande, because if you want others, we're going to talk about some super sleepers a little bit later on. But let's move on to the shooting guard spot, because you and I have spoken about Beal and Paul George. So let's leave them out of the mix for a bit, because both of them are considered be of the elite at the position. But somebody else that's in a great spot. And let's go north of the border and look at one Freddie Van Vliet with no more Kyle Lowry and... And injured Pascal Siakam, another guy who's walking into a situation where he'll be the everything on this Raptors, or for the most part, at least, to start. Yeah, that was mine, too. So we were we were um, lockstep there. I think Van Vliet, uh, much like Paul George, you know, TBD, right? As we mentioned, as I mentioned last episode, uh, because we don't know when, I mean, we... We figure Siakam's going to be obviously back before Kawhi. I think that's a fair statement, but they're not a great team. Um, and the one thing about Van Vliet that we know is he is volume. He gets a lot of volume. He's not very efficient, and we don't really care because whether he's efficient or not, he keeps shooting. Um, right. He's a very good shoot, three-point shooter. Um, he's very good. Uh, assist man and the last two years fancy 1.7 and 1.9 steals per game for Fred Van Vliet very underrated uh aspect to his fantasy production right there so um this we're looking at a guy who's going to score that is going to have to score 20 plus points per game for this team to compete and stay in games um and we could be looking at a guy who's probably closer to 30 points per game than he is 20 without Pascal Siakam there you go. And this is someone that will rotate in both guard spots. Right. It won't be a strict two. Right. I know they got Dragic there right now. But even if Dragic is there, Van Vliet's still going to move to the one. They're going to run the hell out of this guy. They can't do that with Dragic. And I know that they can have Malachi Flynn involved too. But you're going to see him swapping between both guard spots. Let's just very quickly take a look at the value tier of shooting guards. Because there is someone else, Grande, who has an incredible opportunity. And this guy is an incredible, just the ceiling is rising as we speak. And that's Kevin Porter Jr. With the yep. news that John Wall will not play for Houston this year and they're looking for a trade partner. Now, we've seen this happen before. This could take a few months when it comes to John Wall. But if they're really committed to not playing him, next man up, Kevin Porter Jr. did a hell of a job after being run out of Cleveland. He took advantage of a huge opportunity on an injured and fractured team and with that now, we have him very far down on the shooting guard list. And this is someone that's also going to rotate to the one. Yeah, I mean, definitely someone that we are going to look into adjusting when the wall situation plays out. Um, because ultimately, if they don't find a partner, they probably just buy him out, truthfully. Um, I don't think he plays a, a one minute for this Houston team, so... We should probably adjust it regardless, but we also don't know, you know, the contingency that they bring in another point guard or they bring in another shooting guard. I think that's where we are kind of like standing pat where Kevin Porter's value is because you're right. This is a guy who has tremendous upside. Um, but if they bring in another guard, well, that muddies the waters just a little bit um, and probably temper our expectations. So I'm with you on Porter. But we just need to 
again, just like just let it play out, right? We're just it's all we got to do. We just let the situation play out and then um, adjust accordingly. But right now, I do think Kevin Porter is correctly ranked, and uh, if there's no no stop, no one to to block him, I think sky's the limit, like you said. Yeah, Andrew Wiggins as well in a similar tier is another player that I'll be looking at. And as nauseous as this guy can make me, Grande, I mean, if the opportunity presents itself for him, then this is fantasy we're talking about. We just need him to get shots in. And with Klay Thompson still hurt, I feel like he's going to be featured a decent amount. And that's why, even though I don't love his game, he will get the shots in the early going of the season. So I think this is our first disagreement here. Thank you. This is our. This is where we're. This is where we're gonna. Um, we're gonna split the difference because I actually have Andrew Wiggins listed as my bust for this. Uh, wow. And and it's not that I think he's not gonna produce early because I do think he'll be uh, a productive player. But we also have to take into. There's a lot of factors here. Um, one is obviously the health of Clay Thompson. Uh, he will be affect. Uh, he will be greatly impacted when Clay returns because. Let's face it, Clay is number two. As soon as he returns, the moment he steps on the floor, even in a limited role, Clay Thompson will be shooting the basketball from the moment he steps onto the basketball court. It's just, it's what he does. It's what he's good at. It's what he's built to do, to to just be a robot shooting the basketball. Um, I also think we have to consider James Wiseman taking the next next step offensively. Uh, we didn't get a great sample out of him last year. Um, he was very on and off. But it's a guy who can stretch the floor for Golden State. It's a guy who's very athletic. He's very skilled offensively. Um, and a healthy Draymond uh, handling the ball a lot, which, you know, is going to put shove Wiggins to the corner. And we don't want Andrew Wiggins to be sitting in a corner. That's not where he's at his best. He's at his best when he's able to get, you know, drive to the basket and use his athleticism, which we all, not all of us, but was why he was pegged as the next LeBron coming out of high school. It just is what it is, right? Um, so I actually don't love Wiggins um, this year. And I, I do think he did fine in the peripheral stats, which is something that he's lacked his whole entire career. Um, but I do think there's a lot of factors in Golden State that is going to impact Wiggins. And, you know, he's not ranked extremely high. We have him listed as the six, as ranked 16. But I don't think he finishes as a top 20 shooting guard this year. How about that? I, I think he's outside the top 20. Um, I, I see some guys under him that long-term I could see uh, producing just better from a fantasy perspective. He's going to score, but um, once Clay returns, I mean, how prominent is his role? Right. And also you're relying with what you're saying, Grande, on the health of three players that are known to get injured fair. as well in also OP fair. and Otto Porter and Draymond and James Wiseman. So we're going to have and this. See, this is why we have these meetups here, because now you guys can form your own opinion and decide what you want to do. Let's move on to the small forward spot here and let's talk about small forwards of interest. And when looking at this list, this is might be all I said shooting guard was going to be hard. <laughs> wow. Our small yeah, forward list is tough, man. So we've talked about LeBron James in previous episode. So let's talk about Jimmy Butler. The next few guys down, Jimmy Butler, Chris Middleton, Brandon Ingram. Who are you most intrigued by Grande by those three, which are the next three ranked small forwards on our consensus 200? Um, I really like Ingram. Uh, and I wasn't, I don't think I was like as 
bullish on Ingram until I really, probably until I looked at the position as a whole. Um, once we did our rankings and I just kind of looked at it, um, and then I was like, oh, well, there's no Kawhi. We have Giannis, who was previously small forward, like shifted to power forward exclusively. Um, same with Durant. So we also got to consider there's no Lonzo Ball anymore. Um, and I know they have Valen. They do have Valen shooters, correct? That's I'm, am I, I'm like having like a brain fart right now, Fancy. Um, who is... Who is New Orleans starting at the center position? It is Valanciunas, my friend. Right. I'm like, oh, my God. My brain just, like, actually shut off for a second. I, I know the whole trade, Stephen, on trade. Um, you know what's good about that, Grande? You could cut that out. That's what's awesome about that. That's true. Um, so they have they have Jonas Valanciunas starting at center. And, yes, he is a skilled offensive player. Um, but Ingram's going to have a lot of more – ball handling responsibility with this team without Alonzo. And, you know, we're going to see a lot of point Ingram and we're going to see a lot of point Zion. Um, I don't know if uh, the new coaching staff will do the same thing they did last year, but the way Stan Van Gundy would stagger them, uh, Zion and Ingram, one would come off the floor. The other one was featured. Uh, I think that's a great way to handle these two stars. And if Ingram's featured for half the game as the point guard, essentially, um, because we know Devonta Graham can, play off the ball and knock down threes. I mean, I think Ingram could take a step uh, in the right direction in terms of assists. Uh, he's a good rebounder, and we know he can score. So I think Ingram has uh, a lot of upside here. I, I think he's ranked four. I could probably see him finish in the top two, honestly. Yeah. If I'm seeing where we have Chris Middleton ranked, I'm probably going to pass on Chris Middleton and right. wait to get some action there on, in on Ingram. I think that's what I'm going to end up doing there. One other small forward option I want to talk to you about, and this we've referenced him before, but with the injury to Pascal Siakam and the essentially hard-to-figure-out center spot that they got in Toronto, OG Adenobi is in a prime spot yep. where this guy could end up playing close to 40 minutes a night. I'm not even joking. He might have to. He's going to be a lot at the four at the start of the season. He's going to rotate off to the three as well. He could defend. He could get up there. He could draw contact. There's just going to be a lot of usage for him early on with no Siakam. Yeah, I think he does play 40 minutes, truthfully. I think I think you're right. I think he's going to play. Uh, I think the multi-eligibility, position eligibility that you mentioned is going to be a key factor in, in Ananobi's um, success in fantasy basketball. Um, look, he has spurts where he's great. Um, he just needs to be more consistent. And if he is consistent, I mean, you know, we know how good a de of a defender he is. We know how good of in the passing lanes he is if, as a rebounder. Um, if he can just be more consistent offensively, we're looking at a top five guy at the position. Especially there's there's question marks in, in Charlotte. There's a lot of mouths to feed. Um, and and Lonzo's going to have the ball a lot. So how is Hayward going to respond? DeMar DeRozan is in the same spot. Like, the Bulls have a lot of really good players suddenly. Uh, is he going to be the guy that we've seen the last dozen years, you know? So right. um, I, I do think Ananobi has a chance, if we do see, see some consistency, to finish in that top five. Look, Toronto might not be good, but they are they're going to have a lot of value in fantasy basketball this year. Yeah, they will. That's for certain. Let's move on to the power forwards here. We talked a little bit about Giannis and Durant before. We talked about Anthony Davis. So keeping some of those guys in our clump of 
highly ranked power forwards that we have on the site as part of the NBA cheat sheet that we have. Let's talk about some of the others there, including guys like Jason Tatum, DeMontis Sabonis, and you mentioned Zion already. So let's put Michael Porter in as well. How Who do you like best between, let's just say, Jason Tatum, DeMontis Sabonis, and you know what? I'll put Michael Porter in there because I know that you're a big Porter guy. I don't think I'm ready to anoint Porter in that tier yet. Um, and I am a huge Michael Porter fan. Very well documented, as you said. Um, I don't I don't think it, it's going to be better for him in the early stages of the year when there's no Jamal Murray. No doubt. Um, but again, they just gave Aaron Gordon $90 million to do what? I don't know, but he has $90 million, right? So... It's a very cluttered team that already is focused around our, uh, you know, our number one center. Um, so I do think Porter is going to have, he's just not going to have as much upside as Tatum, um, who put on all this muscle. He looks like a gosh dang superhero uh, heading into the year. And I do think he's going to, he's been taking a step every year. I do think so. But, the one thing I, I will say about Sabonis is how is Rick, how does Rick Carlisle handle that team? Because Rick Carlisle is our is literally like enemy number one in terms of fantasy basketball. He always has been that guy. Um, outside of you know just having Luca and letting Luca do whatever he wants, everything else was a mess with Rick Carlisle under center. So. Um, I'd like to see, and I, and I do think he lets Sabonis go for the most part, but I think there's going to be like, you know, more structure sure. in Indiana. Um, they have Brogdon, they have, this is going to be the first time like all of them are legitimately healthy, I guess, going into a year. Um, I guess not fully because TJ Warren's not going to be there, but um, <laughs> right. Like, I guess, but like the their quote big three that they kind of have. They have no assembled. problem catching a break, Grande. I'll tell you right. that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I'm gonna go Tatum of the of the three. I think he's in the best spot. Um, Kemba departing, I definitely think helps T- Jason Tatum. Um, it wouldn't surprise me, Fancy. I don't know what the Vegas odds are, but it wouldn't surprise me if Jason Tatum competed for the leading score in the NBA this year. Wow, that's just, a take just right there. I think it's just. It, I'm not saying he will, but I'm I'm saying it wouldn't surprise me if he was competing with Beal, if he was competing with Lillard, like it wouldn't because there's no more Kemba. There's him and Jalen Brown and, and, you know, Schroeder's there, but I don't think Schroeder is going to take that much, as much usage as, as, and, and there's no Fournier now too. Right. So like, there's a lot of weight falling on Tatum's shoulders that I think he's ready to carry. Yeah, and I, I agree with you there, but can he score close to 30 points? I do. Game? I, I I really think that that's – I mean, what what did Jason Tatum average last year? I mean, when looking at the, when looking at it, though, I mean, he's going to have a healthier team, no? Jason Tatum – well, Jason Tatum in average 26 points per game last year. In the second half, Fournay was around. Um, he had Kemba, yes, limited, but – Still, 40-plus games of Kemba Walker. We know Marcus Smart is not a score-first score guard. Um, he can score. Um, Al Horford's not going to come in there and score. If they start Rob Williams, Rob Williams is on the floor to defend and catch lobs uh, right. and, and be a, a menace on the offensive glass. 
everything is lining up for Brown and Tatum to be better than they were last year offensively. I, I, I'm, again, not saying he's going to lead scoring. I just think that the opportunity is there for him to take that next step to being a 30-point scorer. Just a yay or a nay on a value option. Jeremy Grant with how late he's going, even with other options there. You into him or not? Yes, I think it's something that you should be into. Um, but I think it comes with the contingency that if they suck, which in all likelihood they do, you saw what happened this past year where he didn't play down the stretch. So there's there has to be a contingency. You're not drafting Jeremy Grant as your small forward, and that's it. Like You're drafting Jeremy Grant with a backup plan, whether yep. that's pick up someone later in the year, draft another small forward that, you know, like a Kawhi Leonard, maybe fancy, maybe you pair him with Kawhi, who... Or and and then have a second contingency upon that, you know, right? Like, oh, maybe Kawhi's not coming back. I'll pick someone up on waivers later. But there has to be there has to be a plan if you're drafting Jeremy Grant. So yes, with a contingency. All right, Grande, let's play the game with centers because we know who's good at getting double doubles and not. So you're going to give a name from the top of the list of our rankings and a middle tier center that you like. And then I will. I'll you go first with the top guy. I'll go first with the middle tier. Who's your top guy at center besides Jokic? Um. So it's like the top tier is health riddled. It like we're so like Embiid. Can he make it through? He was in my bust column last year because I didn't think he was going to make it through eighty games. He or seventy two games didn't, uh, and it cost him an MVP. Um, Towns was hurt as well, got COVID. Um, Vucevic is in a bad spot. I'm going to probably go Towns because I think he does the most. Um, and I do think the Wolves can be actually a, a better team now that they're fully healthy. Um, but I will say, I think like the contingency with Jeremy Grant at power forward, you could pick and bead with a contingency because if Simmons is traded, Fenstein, Yep. Wheels up for Joel Embiid, right? I mean... Just when we, you think it can't get better, it, right, will, it will. Right, and and I, I'll say this. I think if... I think my, my lean is Towns, but if Ben Simmons is traded before the season, I would I would consider ranking Embiid ahead of Jokic. Wow. Imagine if the Rockets trade for Ben Simmons and trade John Wall to the Sixers, man. <laughs> say goodbye to the cheat sheet! We have to redo the entire thing. Oh my God. And all this audio. Let's if that happens, well, that's a lot of action. You love that. So I was actually going to go with Towns as well. We're on the same page. When I'm looking at the teams and I'm looking at the health situation, you're right when it comes to the health situation. When it comes to what else Minnesota has at the four and the five, it's yeah. a joke. So yeah. with that, I think Towns has the biggest floor, the safest floor, despite the health risk. So I'm cool with Towns there. My middle tier guy that I'm going with, and this is someone that I'm going to be very, very into. And the reason it's the reason why I'm going to be very into this guy is because I love this situation a lot better. And I think he's working with better ball handlers around him. And this is someone that we talked about before, Jonas Valanciunas. 
Mm-hmm. Again, someone that only needs 25 to 27 minutes to lock you in a double-double. Someone that now can operate under the pick and roll and not get trapped every single time because on Memphis they have two options. And when Jaw's staying there at the arc, they know to clog up on Jovell. So with that, that's why for going into this year, seeing where he is right now, I am loving this situation for Valanciunas. Even if Zion is sharing the post with them, Zion gets the ball at the elbow. Joe Val gets open. What? They're, he's not going to feed him? Of course he is. I think that's that's going to be the dynamic to watch for, though. I think the, to watch how they work together, um, because it did not work with Stephen Adams. Like they, There's a reason why they got Stephen Adams in there and got him out. It just didn't work. Joe Val is different because he's so much more skilled offensively, though, that I think it can work. I just want to see how that dynamic plays out to begin the year. Like, I'm not going to not take Valanciunas if he falls to me. I'm not going to not take Zion if he, you know, is if I'm sitting there in the second round or, or late first, whatever, wherever Zion is falling. Um, but I just, I, I'm, I'm definitely gonna watch how that situation plays out it might be something to target for like in a trade like if they're really clicking uh you could probably get Valanciunas for uh you'll probably have six point guards on your roster uh that you could probably shed for Valanciunas because center is weak like I was thinking of value like the mid-tier value options as well um and it's something that I struggle with and I like Valanciunas um but under them fancy like I don't know, man. I I actually just went back to a name that I mentioned earlier, and I mentioned James Wiseman. And and the reason is because we have him ranked 25th, right? And right. when you're talking about value, like, we're talking about, like, outperforming that value, like, outperforming where he's being drafted or where he's being ranked. And I think Wiseman is that guy. I mean, there's a reason why he was drafted second. There's a reason why he was highly coveted um, this offseason in in trade talks as well for guys like Miles Turner. And, and like, there was active trade talks for Wiseman for the Warriors to to improve, you know, to a more veteran win-now player. But that doesn't mean Wiseman can't be that guy. He's a, he's a good scorer. He can stretch the floor so he can contribute in the three-point category. He can rebound, and he blocks shots really well. Um, I like Wiseman to potentially, if you know, barring health, barring, you know, that he does take the next step offensively. I mean, he's playing with a lot of really good passers, too, like that are going to set him up to score the basketball. We could be looking at a guy who finishes in the top 15. I I think between 15 to 25, there's a lot of unanswered questions. Yes. A lot. Yes. So I think taking a shot on a Wiseman, and, you know, if you're in your draft, because center is so thin, I don't suggest waiting on Wiseman as your center as your center one. You want to get one of the top eight, nine, twelve guys, right? Right. But I think there's upside here um, for Wiseman to be a top fifteen center uh, by year's end. Listen, let's see if that's the case there, and he could definitely operate with Draymond Green if Draymond's staying on the elbow, but can he stay healthy? That is the big question. Position by position, that's what we're talking about, getting inside the minds of the creators of the cheat sheet. He's James Grande. I'm Justin Fensterman. Let's continue getting our heads together and getting you set to crush your fantasy basketball drafts.